Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, November 26, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown USA studio. Beantown USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. On today's show, I will react to all of Week 12 in the NFL. I also have some thoughts on the Boston Celtics and what they've been doing since the last time I talked to you, which was last Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. I will also react to Tiger versus Phil, the match. Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson, which was Friday. And I told you, I probably wasn't going to watch this. Well, I was wrong. I watched it, and I loved every second of it. I will react to that and more. All of it presented by DraftKings. Play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings. You can draft a new team every week with no season-long commitments, and I'm on to week 13 in the NFL. You should be too. And in week 13, you've got a chance to win a million bucks. That's right, a million dollars in the $4 million special, $4 million in total prizes, with $1 million going to first place. Just pick your team and follow the action live on your DraftKings app. And again, get a free game on DraftKings by signing up using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's DraftKings.com. Today's show is also presented by BetOnline. Sign up today at BetOnline.ag and use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% welcome bonus that's promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus. You got college football, the NFL, the NBA, and even the NHL. All of it's underway right now, so this is the perfect time to make your online wages at betonline.ag and take full advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts and also the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet, Online. Dot A-G. Welcome to the show on this Cyber Monday. If you're looking to get discounts all over the internet, though, what's the difference between Cyber Monday now and Black Friday when it comes to online shopping? Isn't it kind of the same? I remember last year, I'm not a big Black Friday or Cyber Monday guy, but I do remember last year I bought a new TV on Black Friday, but I bought it online and I went to the store and picked it up. They didn't deliver it to me. I went and picked it up. But I still get the same discount. I still get the same Black Friday discount buying the TV online as I would have if I went in the store. Because Cyber Monday was originally supposed to be like, all right, you know, you're not getting the same discounts uh, online on Friday. You got to go into the store. But on Monday, you can get those discounts online. Just wait a couple days. But now you can get the same in-store discounts on Black Friday online. Everything, so what's the what's Cyber Monday? It's basically just an extension of Black Friday online shopping. Now, and I mean, Black Friday online sales, they now begin early. They begin on like Wednesday. Really? And you'll get the Cyber Monday sales extended to like Tuesday or Wednesday. You got a week. Everything's basically on sale for a week from Wednesday to Wednesday, isn't it? Now, well, officially today, I guess... It is Cyber Monday. And with that, I should remind you, you should purchase some new gear, some new t-shirts, some new sweatshirts. How about an iPhone case? Some of the logos that I have with the Danny Picard Show are available in the form of t-shirts, sweatshirts, iPhone cases, notebooks, you name it, they got it. tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. That's tpublic.com, T-E-E, public tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. Buy some gear. Support the show. The Cyber Monday sale is now going, and that's probably going to be extended for a day or two as well. So you got some stuff on sale. T-shirts, I think, are like 14 bucks. So again, go there right now. Support the Danny Picard show and buy something. tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. Let's get to the show already. I did watch Tiger vs. Phil. I watched it. Now, I didn't pay for it. My brother-in-law paid for it. My sister's husband paid for it. You know, he's a big golf fan. He wanted to watch it. 
And um, they actually live down in New Jersey. So I spent Thanksgiving down in New Jersey. And I think the beauty of that was, you know, you can legally gamble now in New Jersey. So there's a couple apps on your phone that you can use during Tigerverse Phil while you're in New Jersey where you can, you know, make those live bets and keep those live bets going. I know you could, you could really do it anywhere. You could do the live betting on Tigerverse Phil anywhere. But um, I, I think because in New Jersey it was legal, you, there was some more live betting you could do. Like it, There was some more things you could do, and, and maybe I'm just assuming that, but uh, look, that's where I watched it. I did some live betting. I watched Tiger vs. Phil. I thought it was awesome. I told you last week going in, I wasn't that excited for it. And even, you know, even on Friday morning, the day of Tiger vs. Phil, I wasn't really that excited for it, but, but they wanted to watch it, so I was there. I watched it, and then I participated in the live betting, and I realized this Tiger vs. Phil, the match, this event, we'll call it, because it was an event. This was a gambler's dream. It was a gambler's dream. Because some of the live bets I was putting in, and I was putting in small bets, like $2 bets, $3 bets here and there. You could do every single hole, like who was going to win the hole, right? Now, you had to get them in quick. But you had to you know, basically pick a hole ahead to get that in. Who was going to win the hole? But even... When they were on a specific hole, you could still make a bet, you know, would Tiger finish the hole in three in three shots? Would, would he finish it in four shots? Would somebody go into the bunker? Would somebody, you know, hit the green in regulation? You know, would, would they drive it onto the fairway? Who would have the longest drive? I mean... Closest to the pin. All these things on every single hole. It was a gambler's dream. And I participated in that. Small bets, but I still participated. And I thought it was awesome. So I was wrong about Tiger vs. Phil. I told you it was, you know, I wasn't jacked up for it. I told you I probably wasn't even going to watch it. And if I did, I wouldn't be that into it. Um, But I was wrong. I was so wrong on Tiger vs. Phil. I thought it was awesome to the point where I'm watching this, thinking to myself, this is a gambler's dream, that there is no way they can do a one and done. There's no way. There is no chance in hell they don't do this again. They will do this again. They have to do this again. Phil Mickelson won, and he won in 22 holes. Now, they didn't need the extra holes. They didn't need that added drama. I thought if this ended in 18, I thought it would have been fine. But, you know, it gets dark out. They got the spotlights going. You know, they had to cut a new hole up. And then they keep they kept replaying that hole, that pot three. Finally, Phil won it. Phil Mickelson wins the $9 million, $9 million on the line. You know, you had some side bets here and there. I think they could change the way they do the side bets. Like, I do think it was scripted, right? I think the side bets were clearly scripted. I think they knew what they were going to do ahead of time. I even think maybe they were reminded during the, the match whether it was somebody on the course went up to him and said, this is the hole you got to make that bet on. I, I think maybe it was, I don't know if that was, gen, like, it just didn't, that, those side bets didn't have a real genuine feel to them. Yeah, they were joking at times. You know, Phil would joke to Tiger, like, oh, you know, give me some better odds on that, and then maybe you got a deal. I, it just, it didn't seem real. That part of it didn't seem real to me. Uh... I think if they wanted to make it real, maybe they wouldn't do side bets of like 200,000. Maybe they could make smaller side bets here and there. Like, hey, you know, 25,000 on this hole. Because then, you know, you can't do 200,000 every single hole. But if you wanted to do side, some more side bets, you maybe could not set the boss so high right away with a $200,000 side bet. It's a pretty large side bet. Maybe some smaller amounts on those side bets would, would give that a more real feel. Would give the side bets a more real feel to him. But, um, you know, I just thought overall, I thought it was great. It it did have an awkward start because after they both teed off at first, they kept them both. You know, we got a feel as to what them being mic'd up was going to sound like. And, and Tiger and Phil walking down the fairway after their first shots, after they teed off from the first hole. And there was no commentary. They were both mic'd up. And they would ju- we were just listening and watching them have a conversation. And it was awkward. I'm not going to lie. Like that, there was like a three-minute moment after they both teed off in the first hole where I'm going, this is awkward. And I hope that, 
I hope there's commentary. Like, I, I hope they come in. I hope this isn't just like a surveillance camera on Woods and Mickelson while they're both mic'd up because I think this is going to get awkward. And luckily, it wasn't just that the entire time. They were mic'd up the whole time, but there was some commentary, and, and, and it made it a little more interesting, a little less awkward. But um, I just, I thought it was great, and I think they have to do a second one. They have to. They want to call it Tiger vs. Phil 2 or Tiger vs. Phil the rematch. I think they should do this every single year. I think they should. I don't think they should add a third or a fourth golfer. No. I don't think they should at all. They should do this every single year, just these two guys. Could they change some things? Yeah. One thing, I think, when it comes to the, the side bets, they can make those smaller. Make Give that a more real feel to it. The other thing I would do, is I would sell some tickets. I would get some real fans in there. Now, there were some people, but think, again, that didn't feel real either. Like, you know, maybe this, this was a Capital One event. I think maybe Capital One had a certain amount of, of passes and, and, you know, they, they could let in a certain amount of people that they were close to within the, the company or, or maybe family or something. There was some people in attendance. Like, it wasn't just Tiger versus Phil on the course. But it didn't, you know, we could have heard some real cheers, some real boo. I don't know. I, I just, maybe there needs to be some fans in attendance. I know they don't want the fans to, to hijack the event and start yelling crazy shit. Uh, but you don't have to sell a crazy amount of tickets. How about for the, for the rematch or Tiger vs. Phil 2? They, they have a certain amount of tickets, which is more than... They sold this year because they didn't sell, they sold zero general admission tickets this year. That's what we were told, at least. So maybe they could sell, I don't know, sell, sell 200 tickets, right? Have, to have, have that amount, have, it a high, have the tickets be a high price, have it go to charity or something. But sell a couple tickets, get some people in there. But that's what I do. They have to do this again, though. There was an issue with the pay, the payments on Bleacher Report Live. Apparently, Bleacher Report Live did have an issue with their paywall site. Is that what it was? Um, they had to. So Turner, Turner had to refund everybody who paid on Bleacher Report Live because Bleacher Report actually ended up streaming the event for free because they had an issue on their paywall page where people were going to pay for it. And, and they want, you know, the people who already paid, they, they didn't want them to be locked out of it because they paid. So they just threw it on the site for free. And because of that, Turner has asked all the other companies that streamed it on their pay-per-view sites, you know, like Comcast, Verizon, they've asked, you know, DirecTV, they've asked them to, to reimburse the people who paid for it. And some have. I don't think all have. As of this Monday, November 26th, as I record this, I don't think every company, cable or satellite company, has refunded the people who paid for it. But, but some have. So um, basically, they didn't make any money off, off of that, uh, off of the purchasing of the event. So they're going to have to fix that for next year, too. Because, you know, they'd want to make some money. And I'm telling you right now, they will make the money. People will buy it. Because what I experienced was the match between Tiger and Phil Mickelson was way more than just, hey, I like golfing, hey, I'm a Tiger Woods fan, or hey, I'm a Phil Mickelson fan, or even, hey, I hate Phil Mickelson, or I hate Tiger Woods, and I'm going to root against the other guy. This was way more than just uh, a, a golf event. This was a gambling event. This was a gambling event. This was a live in-game, in-match, whatever you want to call it. This was a live gambling event. And I know you can do I know you can do live bets on anything. I get that. But this had a different feel to it. The day after Thanksgiving, people sitting around, you know, they're eating leftover turkey sandwiches. They're hungover after a night of drinking a lot of wine on Thanksgiving night. Um, you know, you might, you're with your family, you're putting up Christmas decorations, you're having a day where you're just staying in the house, you know, I, I don't know, maybe some of your family goes out and does Black Friday shopping, I, I don't know. If you are a 
and I guess this is I'm I'm trying to understand the demographic that they've reached with this and that they're gonna continue to reach and it will grow and they will do it again. The demographic is a male sports fan who likes to gamble. Because a male sports fan, not a male golf fan, a male sports fan who likes to gamble might turn into a male golf fan who loves to gamble the day after Thanksgiving. That's what this is. This is a gambling event, and I believe they will continue to do it. If they don't do it, then, or put it this way, if, if Capital One or, or Turner or Bleacher Report, they don't want to do it, somebody will. Somebody will. Now, there are some rules with regards to the PGA. Like, I don't think NBC or CBS could do it because they're in the contract, obviously, you know, they're in with the PGA. The PGA, this is Tiger and Phil. They had to get outside the PGA to do this event. But I'm sure there's a network somewhere that would do it. Like, there's a network that would pick this up. And they might say, you know what? We're not going to have any issues when you pay for it. And we're not even going to charge you $19.99. We'll charge you $9.99. Right? We'll charge you $9.99. I mean, Vince McMahon will pick this shit up on WWE Network if he has to. <laughs> and he'll do it on, on the WWE Network. My point is, somebody's going to do it. And they should. Because this is a gambling dream. The timing, uh, you know, the names involved, and, you know, just the, the mere fact that it's only two guys, and you're watching the same two guys, and you're getting a vibe of, uh, here's what he did hit this hole, here's what I think he's going to do the next hole, and there's just so much that you know, you could do from a live gambling perspective that it really is a gambler's dream. And uh, because of that, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was awesome. They had some issues. There were some things they can fix. But it's they. It was the first one. Who thought it was going to be perfect? Did anybody think this was going to be perfect? No. And considering it wasn't perfect, and and I told you I I might not even watch it, and I wasn't even really jacked up about it at all, and I watched it, and I loved it. I I think that goes to show you that that this thing ha- this thing's gonna grow and get even bigger. And I'm not talking about adding a third or a fourth golfer. I'm not. Don't add anybody else. Keep this the same. And you know, don't make this like the match with between Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy. Don't do that. Keep this Tiger versus Phil. Keep this ti- Tiger versus Phil. Keep this the same day every year. This is like the Super Bowl. I want these guys up, you know, barely walking when they're 70 years old, 75 years old doing this. That's what I want because it won't matter. It'll be the same two guys on the same day every year, and they'll be live gambling, and people will be hungover, and people will be not leaving the house and not leaving the couch, and it'll be perfect every year. I thought it was awesome. I really did. So uh, that's my that's my reaction to Tiger vs. Phil. The match, I look forward to Tiger vs. Phil 2, the rematch. They haven't announced it yet, but I might as well be the one announcing it because they have to do it because this is only going to get bigger and bigger from a gambling perspective and especially when you have all the legal, ga- the, all the legal gambling stuff that's going on. It, this, this thing is only going to get bigger and better, but they have to stick with the same two guys every single year. They do. Can they change the course? Change the course. Yeah, change the course. Go to a different course. I don't care. Build a course for it if you want. <laughs> but uh, it has to be the same two guys. So, we'll move on from that. But I just thought Tiger vs. Phil was awesome. Also, over the Thanksgiving weekend, I watched a ton of NFL. You had the three games on Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, you had, here locally with the Patriots, you had the Patriots play on Sunday. It felt like they hadn't played in two months. That Tennessee game, that feels like it was two months ago. The Tennessee game, then they had the bye. The Patriots return to action at MetLife yesterday on Sunday to take on the Jets. Patriots beat the Jets. I'll get to that in just a minute. But Week 12 will end. So I watched a lot of football over Thanksgiving weekend. But Week 12 now will end on Monday Night Football. The Houston Texans will host the Tennessee Titans Houston, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a huge game in that division. You have Houston. You got Tennessee. You have, I mean, watch out for the Indianapolis Colts. So the AFC South, Jacksonville's out of it. But 
you know, this is a huge game for, for both Tennessee and Houston. And uh, I won't spend too much time on it because by the time you listen to this, that game might be over. But Week 12 ends with Houston hosting Tennessee on Monday Night Football. My picks in Week 12, I went 3-2. and two. Three wins, two losses with the money line. My record now on the season is 40-20. and 20. The games I got wrong, I got Carolina wrong. I had Carolina at home beating Seattle. And that did not happen. Seattle goes into Carolina and they beat the Panthers. And that is a huge game for the Seattle Seahawks. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. But that's one of my losses. I had Carolina win in that game. They lose. Then I had Pittsburgh beating Denver. Pittsburgh was in Denver. Pittsburgh was a three-point favorite on the road in Denver. And Pittsburgh loses. And they could have at least scored a touchdown to maybe tie it and send it to overtime. But Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception in the final moments of this game in the end zone. So Big Ben throws this game away late. Denver wins this one in Denver, so I get that wrong. I had Pittsburgh beating the Broncos. They did not do that. So my two losses were Carolina and Pittsburgh. My wins, I had the Eagles over the Giants. A big comeback for Philly. It looked like for the longest time they were going to lose this game, but Philly comes back. They beat the Giants. Now the Giants, who going into that game, look like the Giants might have had a little life because of Alex Smith getting hurt with Washington, and all of a sudden people looking at Dallas. Oh, now this is Dallas's division, and and you know the Giants are still technically alive, and you know what they've done in seasons past where they've made second-half runs, and they've been able to somehow squeeze into the playoffs, and, and we know how those ones ended too here in New England. But <laughs> the Giants, I think this season now is officially over losing this game to Philly. The Eagles win that one, so I get that win. Then I had the Chargers beating Arizona. The Chargers win that game, though. That one looked weird early on. Arizona had an early lead, but the Chargers end up winning big, so I win that one with the Chargers. And then my lock of the week, I had Patriots over the Jets. I told you the Patriots would win by two touchdowns. They did just that. This was not a pretty game, and in fact, you know, I I can't sit here today and tell you that the Patriots should be praised for an entire episode of the Danny Picard show, but I guess you know what they say, a win is a win is a win, and the Patriots won and they covered. My lock of the week was the Patriots, so I get that right. So Philly, the Chargers, and the Patriots, those are my wins in week 12. I went 3-2. and two. I should have been 4-1 and one because Pittsburgh should have beat Denver. They couldn't. And you know what? Carolina should have beat Seattle. They didn't. I could have been. I easily could have been 5-0, oh, but I'm not. I went 3-2. and two. My record on the season is 40-20, and 20, 40 wins, 20 losses. My DraftKings got to have him play for Week 12 was Tom Brady, who did have, he, he did have his highest number of DFS points, his highest DFS point total since Week 7. But it was only 19.2 fantasy points on DraftKings. He had 283 pass yards and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a crazy great game for Tom Brady. It wasn't a bad game, obviously, but from a DraftKings perspective, you could have done better with your quarterback, but Tom Brady, we'll, we'll call it an okay pick for my gotta have him play, but, uh, that's not one of the top stories for week 12. The top stories from week 12, looking back at it, I think number one is the Patriots. I think the, the top story in week 12 is the New England Patriots, and not because of what they looked like against the Jets. Again, it didn't look pretty. I mean, you did see Gronk return and had a big touchdown. Uh, It's a big throw. That was a big catch. You know, and Gronk had dropped one before that, but that was a bad throw. Brady had thrown that late. But this was a big touchdown. It's good to see Gronk back. Uh, So Gronk returned to the big TD. But I'm not talking about, you know, the Patriots aren't the top story because of what they did on the field. Yeah, they won. But also because Pittsburgh lost, the Patriots now move up into the number two seed in the AFC. And what did I tell you last week? I told you on this show. I told you in my column for the Boston Metro newspaper that the Patriots had a chance to not just get the number two seed in the AFC East, but they still have a chance to get the number one seed. But let's just, you know, one week at a time, I get it. Pittsburgh loses to Denver and the Patriots beat the Jets which means the Patriots at 8-3 now with an 8-3 record and the Pittsburgh Steelers with a 7-3-1 record. The Patriots jump up to the number two seed in the AFC. Pittsburgh gets knocked down to the number four seed. 
So if the playoffs began today, if they began today, you know, before this Houston-Tennessee game is played, the Chiefs at 9-2 and two would be the one seed. The Patriots at 8-3 and three would be the two seed. So the Chiefs and the Patriots would be getting the first round bye through 12 weeks. The three-seed Houston Texans would be hosting the six-seed Baltimore Ravens. And the four-seed Pittsburgh Steelers would be hosting the five-seed Los Angeles Chargers. But the top story is that Pittsburgh loses, Patriots win, which means the Patriots bounce up to the two-seed. And if you do want to look a little bit more ahead, again, that one seed for the Patriots is still in play. It is. Patriots, though, will need to win out. They'll need to win out, and they need Kansas City to lose one. It's not impossible. I told you about Kansas City. Week 16 in Seattle. That's a, that's going to be a tough game because Seattle is going to be playing for their playoff lives in that game. That could be a must win for Seattle. And it's tough. It's a tough place to play. And that could be the game that the Chiefs lose. And maybe they lose the week before to the Chargers. I don't know. They play Baltimore the week before that. Kansas City had the bye in Week 12. They will go to Oakland. They actually play Oakland twice. I'm not concerned about those games. But the Chargers in Seattle, really more specifically that Week 16 game in Seattle, uh, could be could be a tough one for Kansas City. We'll see. So if the Patriots win out and Kansas City loses one, Patriots hold the tiebreaker over Kansas City because the Patriots beat Kansas City, the Patriots will get the one seed. So that's still in play. But the Patriots need to handle their own business. They need to win their own games. They need to win out. With regards to the two seed and the first round bye, again, right now, because the Patriots win, because the Steelers lost, the Patriots have the two seed and the first round bye if the playoffs began today. If the Patriots win out, they guarantee themselves the two seed because one of those wins would be against Pittsburgh in Week 15 in Pittsburgh. If you're a Steelers fan today, all right, it sucks that the the standings for you right now look the way they look, which is the Patriots are in the two seed and the Steelers are in, in, in the four seed spot. But if you're Pittsburgh and you're like, if you're looking at it like the Patriots, if you're Pittsburgh and you say, hey, if we win out, well, what happens? Well, if the Steelers win out, they will guarantee themselves the two seed because that means one of those wins would be against the Patriots. So what did this loss to Denver really do to you? It didn't. I mean, it it didn't affect you to the point where it's impossible to get the two seed. It really is all going to come down to that Week 15 game against the Patriots. I think so. I think that's going to be a game to, to decide the two seed in the AFC. And again, whatever Kansas City does, who knows? For the Patriots, it could decide whether or not they get the one seed. So, uh... I think I just think that's a tough story. The fact that Pittsburgh loses, the Patriots win, and now the Patriots, so many people panicking about the Patriots, even now after a win against the Jets, right? It's not all sunshine and lollipops here in New England when it comes to the Patriots and, and, and what they look like right now. But if you just look at the playoff picture, they are the two seed with a first-round bye at 8-3. and three. So while people aren't talking about the Patriots as one of the best teams in the AFC, they are one of the best teams in the AFC. And they still have a chance for the one seed. So that's why they're the that's why the Patriots are the top story. They really are. Now the Patriots will host the Minnesota Vikings Sunday at 425 in week 13. That game will be on Fox. I expect you're gonna get Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Patriots, Vikings at Gillette Stadium Sunday. Uh I don't see a spread on this game just yet. I assume the Patriots will be. I assume the Patriots will be a a five, six point favorite in this one. That's what I assume. But Patriots beat the Jets 27-13. They close it out with two unanswered touchdowns. It's It was kind of a stupid game. It really was. It was kind of a stupid game. But it was good to see Gronk get the big TD. Uh, something you should keep an eye out for from a Patriots perspective is, you know, obviously we, we're hearing now that Brady's banged up. You know, he missed some practices. Uh, you talk about how's Gronk going to feel after a game. You know, how's he feeling today? Sony Michelle had a nice day on the ground, but he did get hurt. It looked like he got his back broken on one of those plays. Got tangled up, left the game for a few plays, and then came back. He did come back. That's a good sign, but we'll see how he feels a day later and a week later. 
That could get worse, obviously. And then Julian Edelman landed at one point on his elbow, which I'm a little concerned about. How concerned will they be? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But that's something to keep an eye out for from an injury perspective with the Patriots. But, hey, a win is a win is a win. Now you return home. You take on a pretty good Vikings team. And uh, it's not going to be an easy game. But if if you take it one game at a time and you win out, you get the two seed if you're the Patriots. And maybe even the one seed. But that's the top story, the Patriots jumping into the two seed in the AFC. I mentioned Seattle and how Seattle hosts Kansas City in Week 16, and that could be huge for the Patriots with regards to the one seed. But speaking of Seattle, I think the Seahawks are the second biggest story in Week 12, from Week 12. The Seahawks won their second straight game on Sunday. They went into Carolina and beat the Panthers. I told you I picked the Panthers to win the game. It was a close game late. Seattle finds a way to escape Carolina with a win. And and because of it, I think they're the second biggest story because they're six and five, and they now hold the tiebreaker over Carolina. Carolina, who's also six and five now. Carolina gets bounced out of the playoff picture. Look, Seattle, if the playoffs began today, Seattle's not in. They're still out. They're on the outside looking in, but just barely. They're 6-5. and five. They hold the tiebreaker over Carolina. Um, they also hold the tiebreaker over Green Bay if they needed to, if they needed to hold that because they beat Green Bay two weeks ago. But Seattle now plays four of their last five at home, and they got a 6-5 and five Washington team ahead of them which I think is going to feel the effects of losing, you know, a, a, a game manager like Alex Smith. You saw Colt McCoy throw a big pick late in that game against Dallas on Thanksgiving. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Adrian Peterson's a little banged up. Uh, I don't think Washington's going to get in. They're not going to win the division. Washington losing that game to Dallas. Now, Dallas takes over the, the top spot in that division. Washington down to the wild card. Washington will be on the outside looking in in the playoff picture before you know it. And Seattle will bounce up. So so looking ahead, big picture, I think that win in Carolina is so big for Seattle. It's so big to hold that tiebreaker over the Panthers. Because the, the Panthers might win some games here down the stretch. So will Seattle. But if they have the same record, Seattle gets in and Carolina doesn't. And let's say let's say Green Bay at 4-6-1. Though Green Bay, I mean, I'll tell you right now, Green Bay's season is over. Their season is over. That's another one of the top stories. They lost to Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. Where's all the talk about Aaron Rodgers being one of the greatest of all time? Are people still talking about that? I've told you every single time over the last couple years that that conversation comes up, I've laughed at the people who have put Aaron Rodgers into that conversation. There can be two different things. Aaron Rodgers can be a he can have a great career And he can even be a great NFL quarterback. But he doesn't, that doesn't make him, that doesn't put him in the conversation of one of the greatest of all time. It doesn't. It doesn't, and he's not in that conversation. And he's trying to lead a Green Bay team that's now 4-6-1. And and it doesn't look good. Um, You know, it just needed to be a better second half from him late in a game that I I still thought was winnable for Green Bay, even on the road. Like for Tom Brady, that that would have been a winnable game last night in the fourth quarter on Sunday Night Football on the road. But not for Aaron Rodgers, it just, it, it really wasn't, right? It really wasn't. So... That's the difference. Green Bay now 4-6-1. I think this season is over, but let's say some crazy shit happens and they get they kind of, you know, they win a couple games and Seattle and Carolina lose a game. Seattle, they hold the tiebreaker over Green Bay as well. So Seattle's just, you know, they're, they're, they're getting those tiebreakers, those head-to-head tiebreakers. They're 6-5. and five. They're going to find themselves in the playoff picture before you know it, and they play four of the last five at home. They're a big story right now. Seattle, what they're doing, what Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, what they're doing, that's a major story in the NFL. It really is. Uh, and some other top stories. I told you Dallas jumps into first place in the NFC East after beating Washington on Thanksgiving. Green Bay season, I think, is over after losing to Minnesota. Then you go to the AFC, back over to the AFC. Baltimore has won two straight with Lamar Jackson. And I don't know, are people calling this a controversy? QB controversy? 
I don't know when Joe Flacco's going to be back. I'm assuming he'll be ready to be back soon. But if you're Baltimore, right now you're 6-5. and five. If the playoffs begin today, you're in as the sixth seed. Do you stick with Lamar Jackson? Here's the deal. If I'm Baltimore, I wouldn't. I wouldn't overreact to this. I think you could use you could find situations to use Lamar Jackson in, even if it might be under center, right? You could find situations for him. But I think I don't think you should overreact if you're Habar, if you're the Ravens. You gotta understand who you beat. You beat Cincinnati, horrible defense. Then you beat Oakland this past weekend, this Sunday. You beat Oakland. Yeah, I saw that touchdown pass that Lamar Jackson threw to Crabtree. I could have thrown that touchdown pass. Yeah, I'm not trying to t- I'm not trying to say I'd be as good a quarterback as Lamar Jackson in the NFL. Obviously, I wouldn't. And I speak somewhat in jest when I say that, but you get what I'm trying to say. Cra- nobody was covering Crabtree. It was an easy touchdown pass. Lamar Jackson, what were they inside the 10-yard line? Snaps the ball, looks to his right, wide open. That's an easy play. It's against an Oakland team that doesn't want to win. Oakland wants the number one pick in the draft. And if the season ended today, Oakland would get the number one pick in the 2019 draft. You beat Cincy, terrible defense. You beat an Oakland team that doesn't want to win. Should you then crown Lamar Jackson your new starting quarterback moving forward? I don't think you should. Don't overreact if you're Baltimore. you got to go back to Joe Flacco. You can still use Lamar Jackson in certain situations, but don't overreact. That said, something tells me they'll overreact. They'll make Lamar Jackson their starting quarterback, and they will lose in Atlanta. They will lose in Kansas City, and then they'll hand it back off to Joe Flacco against Tampa Bay the week after that, and at that point, it'll be too late. At that point, it'll be too late. Something tells me that's the way they're going to handle it. How should they handle it? When Joe Flacco's ready, they should give it back to Joe Flacco. That's what they should do. That's what they should do. But right now, Baltimore, uh, yeah, that's a top story, right? They had a six seed. If I'm Baltimore, though, I I have to keep my eye on Indianapolis because the only reason Baltimore's in and Indianapolis is not in if the playoffs begin today is because Baltimore has one more in-conference win than Indy because you get the tiebreak of the conference record. Baltimore has one more in-conference win than Indy does. Indy 6-5, Baltimore 6-5, but the Colts have won five straight. They just beat Miami on, on Sunday. The Ravens currently hold the tiebreaker, but Indianapolis, you look at their schedule, they go to Jacksonville. They should beat a terrible Jaguars team. It'll be a tough game in Houston, but they could win that. Dallas, they could beat Dallas. They should beat the Giants, and they could beat Tennessee. Indianapolis right now looks good. So good that if I had to make my prediction who gets into the tournament, Baltimore or Indy, regardless of what Baltimore does with a quarterback situation, I'd have to say Indy gets in and Baltimore doesn't. Obviously, the Monday night game with Tennessee-Houston is huge for Tennessee because they're Tennessee's 5-5. Five and five. And they're still, all, they're still alive in a divisional race, and if you, get in, if you win the division... You know, you don't have to worry about a wild card. You get a, a three or a four seed right now. Um, you know, I think Indy, offensively, with Andrew Luck, it's about time we start taking the Colts seriously. I, I think so. I think it's time we take them seriously. It's time we look at Andrew Luck and say, this kid is one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. He is, Andrew Luck. They have some serious weapons in T.Y. Hilton. You know, they get a couple tight ends that Andrew Luck likes throwing to. And I just think that Indianapolis is for real with regards to are they a playoff team or are they not? Indy's a playoff team. And I think Indy gets in. I do. I think they get that. I think I think Indy, Indy might win the division. I'm not ruling that out either. I mean, they will play Houston in a couple weeks. It'll be in Houston. But I do not rule out Indy winning the division. I think Indy gets in the tournament. I really do. And if I had to put my money on it, I'd say Baltimore won't. I'd say Indy gets in, Baltimore doesn't. That's how I see that playing out in the AFC. And then one of the other top stories, I mean, maybe this should be number one, but I think we're so used to it and really it was so predictable that 
Uh, I'm not putting it in the in the top five, top six. The New Orleans Saints, they win again. They beat Atlanta on Thanksgiving night. It's it's New Orleans' 10th straight win. They are now 10-1. and one. They're the one seed in the NFC. I think the only thing to say about New Orleans is that they have a tough stretch of three straight road games in Dallas, in Tampa Bay, against the Buccaneers team that already beat them. They gave Buccaneers the only team that beat New Orleans this year in week one. Uh, and you go to Tampa Bay. And then in Carolina, a Carolina team that still, they're going to still be playing for a playoff spot, I think, at that point. So if they can weather that storm, then they have a home game against Pittsburgh and then Carolina again. That's not the easiest schedule for New Orleans when you take into account that they have three straight road games. But with regards to Week 12, they beat Atlanta. They should have. They did. The 10-1, they're the one seed. They win again. What else is new? Uh, maybe we overlook that story because we do take a what else is new approach with New Orleans. They're so good. We expect them to keep winning. And, of course, they do. So that is Week 12, really in a nutshell. Uh, Here locally, again, with the Patriots, Week 13, we look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings, Sunday at 425. That game on Fox at Gillette Stadium. I will give you my picks for Week 13 on Thursday, back to a normal schedule this week. But that's Week 12, in a nutshell. And outside of the NFL... What else did I watch this weekend? What else have I watched since the last time I talked to you last Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving? Well, one of those things I watched is the Boston Celtics having a tough go of it. (laughs) The, The Boston Celtics right now are a team. And I'm going to say this. Look at it. It's November 26th. All right. November 26th. When the season began. Mid-October, mid to late October, what are we, a month into the season? A little over a month into the season? I know it's early to be making proclamations like this. The Celtics are on the ropes. They're on the ropes here, okay? They're getting hit from all angles. They're getting body shots. They're getting hit to the head. Uh, Every once in a while, they might get hit with an illegal low blow, but they're getting hit. Celtics are on the ropes right now. The Celtics have lost four of their last five. If you look at the standings in the East, they are the seven seed with a 10 and 10 record. They're a 500 team right now. But a 500 team with the one seed being Toronto having 17 wins, seven more wins than you. Seeing Philly with four more wins than you, with 14 wins. They got Jimmy Butler now. Jimmy Butler's hitting big shots late in games. I mean, you know, the Celtics are on the ropes. They're the seven seed at 10 and 10. I mean, if they were in the West, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. They wouldn't be in the playoff picture. Charlotte is the eight seed with nine wins. Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, uh, they have two less wins than the Celtics. The Wizards have three less wins than the Celtics, and you hear all the shit that's going on in D.C. with that team. Beal and Wall, they're on the trade block. Wizards want to make moves. They want to blow it up. Celtics are on the ropes right now, and it's not just because of how it looks on the court. It's because of some things I'm hearing after games, off the court, when the coach sits at that podium and has to talk to the media. Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving. I we didn't do our travel until Thursday morning. Uh and I didn't go out Wednesday night. I know Wednesday night's a big night. Night before Thanksgiving's always a big night. And I'm it's kind of like I'm over it. I'm just kind of over that. I it used to be a big night. Is it a big night anymore? I whatever. It's just another night. I guess this year is the night before I had a had a travel. So uh I didn't do much Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. I stayed in. I watched the Celtics versus the Knicks. And the Celtics, I watched the Celtics lose. Let me be more specific. I watched the Celtics lose to the Knicks at the TD Garden in Boston. Not MSG, not Madison Square Garden, not that garden. Our garden, the TD Garden. The Knicks came into the TD Garden and beat the Celtics. And 
not only did I watch that game, but I watched the post game after. And I tweeted this out. Brad Stevens, and I don't know if this was overlooked, maybe because it was the night before Thanksgiving and, and maybe people's attention really wasn't focused on that anymore. They were focused on the holidays, meeting up with friends and family. I know, Danny, bah humbug, whatever. I watched the Celtics lose to the Knicks, and I watched the Brad Stevens post game after the press conference he did with the media. And this was a wild and wacky press conference. It was. It was wild and wacky and riveting all the same. Uh, he said some things during this press conference that had me sitting on the couch going, what did he just say? Wait a minute. What's going on with the Celtics team? You see, it's one thing to have some early season struggles. It is. It is. It's one thing to have early season struggles. It's another thing entirely to have the coach saying some of the things that he was saying after these early season struggles, after a loss that, you know, a game that you shouldn't lose. This Celtics team is way too talented to lose that game to the Knicks. Now, Brad Stevens did open up that press conference by saying, hey, I got to give credit where credit's due to the Knicks. They had some big shots. And you know what? I agree with them. They did. I agree with them. Knicks hit some big shots. But, I mean, the the Celtics, It's maybe it's not what happened on the court. It's what happened. Look, it's what happened afterwards. The Brad Stevens press conference, to me, was eye-opening. Let me read you some of the quotes. I don't have the audio. I tried to pull it up after the fact. I made the mistake of not recording the audio on my phone on uh, NBC Sports Boston. Now, they didn't post this audio on their site. I don't expect them to. You know, they run. The Celtics win. They hire more people. Celtics lose. They start cutting jobs. I should know. I was someone who uh, got laid off after Pierce uh, uh, Pierce and Garnett trade to Brooklyn. And, you know, the Celtics were going to take this rebuilding mode. And, uh, you know, I got cut because of that. So they, I, I know that they weren't going to post NBC Sports Boston, Comcast Sports, that they weren't going to post this audio. But I, I pulled up the quote for you. The quote's from Brad Stevens. Here's what he said. I'll let you be the judge at first. Brad Stevens said, after losing to the Knicks the night before Thanksgiving at the TD Garden, Brad Stevens said, quote, We're not playing with the same personality we played with last year. That's the easiest way to describe it. And then the 50,000 issues that are below that, we have to tackle one at a time. End quote. I'll read that for you again from Brad Stevens. He says, quote, We're not playing with the same personality we played with last year. That's the easiest way to describe it. And then the 50,000 issues that are below that, we have to tackle one at a time. End quote. So, first thing that jumps out to me, I'm sitting, literally, that's like I jumped off the couch. I go, wait a minute, what? Say that again? They're not playing with the same personality, which means that, you know, this is about mindset, which I, I think stems to maybe something, you know, mentality off the court. Whether it's at practice, whether it's the day of a game, The first thing I ask myself when I hear about personality issues and how the coach doesn't see this team playing with the same personality, I don't know that I question the coach. I question maybe the mindset of players and what's going on off the court. That's what I question. And then he doubles down on that off the court assumption that I come up with in my own head by then saying, and the 50,000 issues that are below the personality, we have to deal with those 50,000 issues. What are the 50,000 issues? There's no way he's talking about this team having 50,000 issues on the court. These are professional basketball players. We know the talent that they have. I understand the human nature of some of the early season struggles with regards to, all right, you reinserted Kyrie Irving to a team that went to the East Finals without Kyrie Irving last year. You insert Gordon Hayward, which could be considered a reinsert, but he only played one game, so we'll just call it insert Gordon Hayward. You know, you add a couple all-star pieces to a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals without those pieces, and, and, and you know, you got to figure some things out. 
who gets the ball when, who's taking the shots when, and how, and how many. And then you got to decide minutes for the guys who were playing more minutes last year that are going to have to play less minutes this year. I mean, you know, you're managing things as a coach this year that you could look at and go, hey, it's a good problem to have, right? It's a good, it's a good problem to have. But it could be a problem. And if it becomes a problem, which I think it has been in the first month plus of the season this year, I just I just kind of think that's human nature. Like, I almost expected that to happen. You know, you get some early season struggles. But don't tell me, when you tell me there's 50,000 issues outside of a personality issue with this team, don't tell me that a majority of those 50,000 issues you're calling on-court issues. There's no way. These are professional basketball players. This is one of the more talented teams in the league. So it can't be all on-court stuff. We got to be talking off-court. We do. We got to be talking off-court. We have to be. He has to be. Has to be. Brad Stevens also said this. I'm going to read another quote from this press conference. He said, quote, you know, in years past, we just decided to be nasty tough. Like, we, he was talking about when the going got tough at the beginning of, of seasons and seasons past. He said, we just decided, in the past, we decided to be nasty tough. And we just went with it. And then all of a sudden, everything fell into place and we just put everything else aside and grit our teeth and played. It's not guaranteed that you're going to be able to turn it around. The reality is you have to grind it out, you have to work, and you have to be able to weather all this other stuff that's going along with it. End quote. I'm going to read that one more time. He says, in the past, we just decided to be nasty tough, and we just went with it. And then all of a sudden, everything else fell into place, and we just put everything else aside and grit our teeth and played. It's not guaranteed that you're going to be able to turn it around. The reality is you have to grind it out, you have to work, and you have to be able to weather all this other stuff that's going along with it, end quote. The, the phrases that I will highlight here, and all, all of these quotes that I've gave you, I've given you. He says, one, we're not playing with the same personality. There's 50,000 issues that are below that. We're not tough. We are not putting everything aside to grind our teeth and just play. And there's all this other stuff. We have to be able to weather all this other stuff. What is all this other stuff? You know, you ask yourself that. Like, what's this stuff he's talking about? And and there's no way, there's just no way that it's on the court stuff. There's just no way. Don't try to tell me this game is that complicated. Because the NBA, what the NBA is now about, it's about stars coming together. We've seen it. Golden State. LeBron's teams in the past. I mean, this is what it's about. Pierce Garnett, Ray Allen. I mean, we know it here in, in Boston. We know it here now. Kyrie, Horford. You draft a kid like Tatum, he's going to be a superstar. You draft a Jalen Brown, like, you get top three picks. You know, you add Gordon Hayward to the mix. Hey, listen. Don't try to tell me, don't insult my intelligence and tell me this game is so complicated that this Celtics team has so many on-court issues. There's no way... Brad Stevens is trying to manage a group right now that what I get out of this is that they have a lot of off-the-court things going on. When he says we have to weather all this other stuff that goes along with it, when he says, you know, we have to put everything else aside and grind our teeth and play, when he says there are 50,000 other issues that go beyond uh, personality issues. This is all. This is this all stems from whatever's going on off the court. So we have to ask ourselves, what's going on off the court? Okay, because something is. I mean, this press conference Wednesday night to me was as eye opening as you get from someone like Brad Stevens, who usually isn't. You know, he's not Belichick, but he's not Belichick. But he he's not out there dishing all the dishing all the dirt all the dirty details. He's not. 
for him to have a press conference like this after you lose at home to the Knicks to talk about issues, personality issues, and then 50,000 other things that are going on. We're not putting everything else aside. And you have to be able to weather all the other stuff. What's all the other stuff? Well, I'll add to that question. What's all the other stuff off the court? Because I think that's what this is. The personality that you'd like to create as a coach, you know, getting people to grind it out and play tough, putting stuff aside, whether all the other stuff that's going on, he sounds like a coach that is dealing with more than just X's and O's on a basketball court. And I don't mean to make this sound like such a simple game, but I don't want you to try to insult my intelligence and tell me that this game is so complicated that these talented NBA players can't figure it out when it comes to X's and O's. Brad Stevens isn't talking about X's and O's, folks. He's not. He's not talking about X's and O's. So what's the deal? I mean, it's it's up to Danny Ainge now to figure out what the deal is. But I think they all know. And what I told you last week, I think it was the last time you heard from me, is I told you the Celtics need to trade Terry Rozier. And when I heard the Celtics press conference, the Brad Stevens press conference Wednesday night, I sort of retweeted my own podcast and said, this is what I told you on the podcast before the game, but even more so, trade Terry Rozier right now. After listening to Brad Stevens, they obviously got some off-the-court issues, some personality issues. There's some stuff that they can't get past, and they need to. Well, how do you get past that stuff? Well, you might have to move someone. Just for the, to, for the, the fact that you should be maybe just sending a message to your team, to your players. And I, all, I brought up the Patriots. I brought up, you know, my story that, that I will tell... For the rest of my career, which I think should be echoed in professional sports locker rooms, you know, everywhere. When the Patriots traded Randy Moss, after Randy Moss gets up at a press conference and makes it about himself and his own contract, after they won a game, by the way, he was traded, Randy Moss was traded, And I was in the Patriots locker room after a practice one day when I was still a reporter. And I went up to Wes Welker and I asked Wes Welker, what's the message that this trade sends to this team? Like, what is like, what's the message there? Like, there must be a message. And he looked at me, he said, well, it's simple. There's a sign on the wall when you walk into the building here that says, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. Simple. There's a sign on the wall that says if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. It's time for the Celtics to relay that message to this group that obviously has a whole lot of issues. (laughs) Brad Stevens puts a number on it, 50,000 other issues. And that's going to the three or four issues he mentioned. So we'll call it 50,004 issues they have. Time to send a message. And I said last week, trade Terry Rozier. I'm saying it again. I tweeted it out last Wednesday night after this Brad Stevens press conference. People were coming to me going, oh, what, you're going to blame all this on Terry Rozier? I'm saying, well, I'm not blaming it all on Rozier. But if we're trying to find out, if we're trying to, you know, we're looking for answers. And I'm not in the room. All I can do is take what I gather from, from these press conferences. And I thought that was very revealing to the point where I called it a wild press conference Wednesday night. We're trying to figure out what's wrong, and we're trying to fix it. You know, I, I you know, I like to play the role of GM, president of of operations, if you will. And and I'm not saying that Terry Rozier is the reason that the Celtics are ten and ten right now on the seventh seed in the East. I'm not saying Terry Rozier is the sole reason for the fifty thousand plus issues that Brad Stevens referenced on Wednesday night of last week after losing to the Knicks at home. But I will tell you, if this is off the court, if this is an off the court mentality, then the last thing that you want to do as a coach is have to listen to a backup point guard complain about minutes. You don't want to have to listen to that. You don't want to have to deal with that. A backup point guard complaining about how many minutes he's playing? Please. Thinking about his next contract? Please. Like, 
maybe you use Terry Rozier and his, because maybe that mentality, that selfish, it's about me and my next contract mentality, he might not be the only player that has that. He might not. I mean, for all we know, we might be seeing that out of someone like Jalen Brown. I don't know. For all we know, we might be seeing it out of someone like Kyrie Irving, as crazy as you might think that is. But I'm not saying trade Kyrie Irving. I'm not even saying trade Jalen Brown. But if you want to send a message to a team that might be dealing with a mentality right now that they can't get past, that maybe has become contagious in that room, in that organization, and you want to send the team a message, send them a wake-up call, maybe the easiest thing to do is trade someone like Terry Rozier and use him as the guy, use him as the example, trade him, walk into the room at practice and say, hey, we traded Terry, and we didn't get much for him. But you know what? He was unhappy. He was leaking stuff to the media. He was sending out cryptic tweets. He was worried about his next contract. And quite frankly, we we don't have to deal with that. We're the Boston Celtics. We should be dealing with Toronto and, and trying to battle them for the one seed in the East. Instead, we're against the ropes trying to scratch and claw our way into the playoffs right now. And I know it's early to be even having that conversation, but you get the point. You get the point. It's time for the Celtics to send a message. Is it not? And maybe they use someone like Rozier. And you say, hey, we told them, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. And now that we made that move, I look around the room. And I'm going to ask each and every single one of you, if you don't want to be here, you don't have to be. We'll move you. If you don't want to focus on on the next game and what we should be doing in the next game, if you don't want to, as Brad Stevens referenced, get that fight back, and grind it out, and put everything else aside, and play to win, then that tells me you don't want to be here. You don't have to be. We'll move you too. Anybody else? Like, I think it's that type of message that you have to send, but what I learned on Wednesday night, and that loss to the Knicks, and that press conference after by Brad Stevens, what I learned is that this team is dealing with issues more than X's and O's that go beyond what's happening on the court during these games. There's some type of mentality within this team off the court, whether it's at practice, during off days, or or you know, in the afternoons leading up to games, and that mentality is leaking into their, you know, it's affecting their play during the games. Something is preventing this team from getting that fight that Brad Stevens talked about. Something is preventing this team from putting all that other stuff aside. Well, it's not, then if that's the case, which it sounds like it is. I don't know how you could deny it. I have to listen to the Brad Stevens press conference Wednesday night. But if that's the case, it's time to make a statement. It's time to send a message. It's time to do something about it. You know, don't start drawing. It, this is beyond. Brad Stevens made it sound like this is beyond what play call he's going to draw up in the second quarter against uh, Atlanta on a Friday night. Right? And and if you're Danny Ainge, you, you should stop having to rely on the coach that he's going to change what's going on if it is about the personality and the mentality of the team with regards to things that are going on off the court. It's time for Danny Ainge to step in and do something. Stop playing the... the va- you can't play the value game anymore with certain players and traits. Especially Terry Rozier. Because his highest value would have been this past off season. So you already missed the boat on that. But that's a move maybe you should consider making. And don't even consider it. Just do it. This Celtics team is way too talented to have to be dealing... This this Celtics team is way too talented to have to listen to a coach have to do a press conference like that. I'm telling you. It it was that was very revealing stuff from Brad Stevens last week. It's not it's not like it changed that much because they just lost their last game against Dallas Saturday night. So uh something's gotta change. I, I can tell you what. A lot of people who were wondering about Anthony Davis, I didn't know about the Derrick Rose rule. I didn't. So apparently, if you have one player under a contract that was, what was it, the 30% max contract stemming from the rookie deal, which Kyrie Irving is currently on, if you have one player under that type of contract, you cannot acquire another player under that same type of contract. Anthony Davis is. 
with New Orleans. Anthony Davis is also under that type of 30% max contract coming off the the rookie scale or whatever it is. It's the same type of contract you can't acquire. I think it's a stupid rule. If another team wants to trade somebody, they should be able to trade whoever they want. Right? Because on top of the NBA salary cap rules with uh, matching salary and, um, you know, exemptions. I mean, don't even get me started with the NBA salary cap trade stuff. But I think the Derrick Rose rule is a stupid rule. But under the Derrick Rose rule, apparently the Celtics can't trade for Anthony Davis. I do wonder. Now, this is the first time I've heard of that. First time I've heard of that. I do wonder if there's a way they can get past that. I wonder. I really do. I really wonder if there's a way they can get past that. Like, is there a loophole? Is there something you could do? Could a team give you a 24-hour window to maybe rework a contract? Rework Anthony Davis's contract? With an early extension? Does that change things? I don't know. Is there a way around that? I don't have the answer to that question. I wonder if there is, though, because this is the first time recently that I'm hearing about this Derrick Rose rule, and yet we've been talking about Anthony Davis now for a couple of years. Well, why is this the first time we're hearing about it? Why is it the first time we're hearing it? The first time I'm hearing about it. Everybody's now such a genius. Like, oh, let me tell you about the Derrick Rose rule and why this can't happen. Listen to me. I'm an NBA expert on the rules. Eh. How come you weren't an NBA expert on the rules we were having this conversation about Anthony Davis last year? Somebody came up with it, and everybody's just stealing it off that one person. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, I just feel like there's a way around it. There's got to be a way around it. And I know I'll get responses now. There's no way around it. I know all my NBA rules. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way. Uh, But because of that rule, they're saying Anthony Davis cannot be traded to the Celtics. So we'll have to wait until maybe next year. Well, the offseason. I don't know. The offseason, maybe. But don't worry about the offseason. Worry about right now. And right now the Celtics are 10-10, and 10, and they have to figure something out. It sounds like there's some off-the-court stuff. It's leading to a personality issue with this team. Brad Stevens doesn't like it, and I don't think this is a Brad Stevens issue. I think this is, like, this isn't an X's and O's coach issue. This is, you know, Danny Ainge needs to step in and do something. And it might be, maybe it is a drastic move. But he needs to send a message. But he needs to do it sooner rather than later. I will keep my eye on that situation. And everything else that's going on in the world of sports, get this show whenever you want at Podcast One. Also at DannyPicard.com. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, really anywhere. Podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter. Facebook, all forms of social media. Uh, don't forget on this Cyber Monday, and even really whenever, go to tpublic.com slash store slash Danny Picard and buy a t-shirt, would you? Buy a t-shirt. And while you're putting in websites that have my name in it, you might as well go to youtube.com slash Danny Picard and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Got some more videos coming up for you soon. So do all of that. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you again on Thursday. See you.